0: Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis-Newton here representing the Cups and Cakes Network. Today on the show we have Eliza Niemi, the uh, writer and producer of one of my favorite records from 2022. It's called Staying Mellow Blows, and uh, we talk a ton about the, the writing and creation and recording of that record, collaborating with folks over long distances to put it together, we also touch on uh, Eliza's upbringing in Toronto and moving around to various cities on the East Coast uh, in, in her time uh, playing and writing with uh, the Ben Mauno. Of course, there is some foul language in this episode, so listener beware. And if you want to catch other episodes of this podcast or uh, other audio, video, and written content, you can find that stuff over on the Cups and Cakes Network website at cupsandcakespod.com. One more time for all y'all in the back, that's Cups, the letter N, CakesPod.com. Here's Eliza Niemi. My
1: name is Eliza Niemi. Nice to meet you. You as well.
0: (laughs) Uh, This is, of course, Inside the Artist Studio. Uh, We're going to get things started with a little rapid fire stuff. And then, of course, we'll talk about uh, the new record, Staying Mellow Blows. And uh, listen to a track from that right at the end of things. Uh, so without further any, uh, <laughs> without further mm-hmm. ado, it's early in the morning still for me. <laughs> um, uh, let's do some rapid fire stuff. All right. Cool. Very first question: Is there a, a specialty dish that you cook or bake that uh, that makes people think of you?
1: Oh, um, yeah. I think I make this pasta dish that has sweet potato and rosemary in it, and I think probably probably that. sweet potato
0: okay how how do you prepare the sweet potato to like be a good pasta topping
1: amazing question okay so i start well basically you like fry up onions and garlic and rosemary and then you cube sweet potato pretty small and you put it in the pan and then you add stock and then it sort of slowly like it kind of disintegrates but sort of keeps its shape and it sort of makes like a creamy stewy sauce Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds rad. It's very good. I highly recommend. There's like a meat version with Italian sausage and a non-meat version with like... Sometimes I just don't put sausage or I use veggie sausage or something.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always curious with like different vegetables because I feel like every family growing up, you have like... These are the... 10 vegetables that get eaten in this house and then there's Mm -hmm. everything else out there so like we didn't like I love sweet potatoes we didn't really eat sweet potatoes in my house that was something I found like after I moved out Mm -hmm. um was that like a a stable vegetable in your house or was that uh, uh something that came later
1: you know what yeah it was kind of a staple vegetable in my house yeah especially at my dad's he really he really liked those he like taught me how to make that pasta dish. Gotcha, yeah, but yeah, it was definitely one of the ten vegetables on rotation in my house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you prefer tea or coffee
1: uh coffee for sure <laughs> have
0: yeah. you have you had your morning cup of coffee yet
1: i' currently I'm like seven eighths of the way through my my morning coffee <laughs> nice <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. are, are are you are you um when you're at home, are you are you picky about your preparation of a cup of coffee, or do you really care at all?
1: Um, I would say I care, but I'm not necessarily picky. As I was saying before, I like just moved into a new house a few days ago. Yeah, there's like a stove top. What do they call it? Like a bialetti or something? It's like the silver. You like put it right on the burner.
0: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I, I want to say it's a percolator, but I don't think that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> I also want to say it's a percolator. Or maybe it is a percolator. Maybe it
0: is. Yeah. yeah. Both of us anyway, can't be wrong. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's one of those here, and I haven't used one in a while. And I gotta say I'm a big fan. So that's nice. But I like kind of just using whatever's around. Like, that's one of my favorite parts about touring is like, making coffee in whatever way people make it at the place <laughs> you're staying. And it's like exciting to try out a new method.
0: Yeah, yeah. Are are you a, a supporter of gas station coffee, or is that like a bridge too far? Oh,
1: yeah, big time, big time. I love <laughs> gas station coffee. It's maybe like my favorite, or it's up there. It goes like percolator, <laughs> gas station coffee, French press. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, nobody likes the little sludgy shit in the bottom of coffee. Um It's like the... <laughs> characteristic french press thing i feel like is that you end up Mm -hmm. uh kind of eating a breakfast along with the coffee uh of coffee grounds so yeah
1: two birds one stone
0: (laughs) (laughs) what's the first car you ever had if any
1: um i actually just got my first car ever okay and uh it's a toyota rav4 and it's awesome
0: yeah yeah (laughs) What uh, what was the kind of straw that broke the camel's back in terms of like finally getting one?
1: Honestly, just needing one for for touring. It just made way more sense than renting or borrowing. And yeah, yeah I was yeah. looking for a long time. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I know. Um, like I grew up in the prairies, like in Saskatchewan, and it's just so normal that every single person ends up with a car because you can't like mm-hmm. do
2: anything totally um, yeah
0: and then yeah the number of people who i talked to through this where it's like oh yeah the car is essentially just a touring tool right Hmm.
1: yeah i only got my license when i was like 24 or 25 um because i grew up in toronto so right yeah just didn't need it just biked and took the subway every everywhere my mom didn't even have a car i think for part of the time that i was growing up yeah
0: As somebody who grew up in Toronto, what's your feelings about the TTC?
1: Oh, wow. Amazing question. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the TTC could definitely always use more funding and be cheaper for riders. But like, I don't know. It's a weird mixture of like reliable and also not. It depends on the lines that you're depending on. Like I lived in Halifax for a really long time where there's no subway and there's only buses um and that was a lot harder than it is in Toronto to get around and depend on um but yeah i don't know i'm like grateful that there's a pretty sweet transit system here but also i've been frustrated a lot when things break down or they're late or
0: yeah yeah it it's um it's honestly i always ask that question when folks are from Toronto cuz i i know i had this experience of uh you know growing up in a small town where there's no transit and not really a Mm -hmm. huge need for it um and then coming to edmonton and being like this is amazing and then you're here for a couple years and it's like oh actually it's quite bad and then went to toronto and was like this is the best and then the people who've been in toronto for a while are like you know who's actually good new york has good transit and it's Mm. just like yeah people are never quite happy with it
1: (laughs) yeah totally the grass is always greener but Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It is frustrating. Like I've had a lot of jobs where I'm like dependent on the TTC and I've been burned a lot of times. (laughs) Yeah. But it all, yeah, it all depends. I don't know. It's all relative, I guess.
0: Yeah. Is there a hobby or a pastime that you surprised yourself by, uh, by getting into?
1: Hmm. I, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe like some visual art stuff getting kind of into like drawing and painting lately but my life is like hilariously revolving around music so it's always like for a show poster or like album right. or, or something <laughs> yeah but i guess i've surprised myself recently like making stuff that actually doesn't have to do with music which is like big for me i think
0: <laughs> did, did you grow up as, as a kid who like was, was drawing all the time or who enjoyed drawing a lot
1: mm-hmm yeah big time
0: at the time Um, did you feel like you were good at it?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. Like maybe, yeah. And in some ways, no. I think I was like lucky to be encouraged a lot. So I felt good at it. But then also like you always feel your limitations when you're doing something a lot. Like I always wished I could draw and like make it look like it did in the cartoons or like comic books. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, what is uh when when you're working on recordings what what's the ultimate uh, kind of studio snack
1: oh that's fun um my favorite snack that I eat a lot is uh, cheese cracker pickle <laughs> which is like all one all one word sort of yeah, like yeah. To call it oh of course um, it's, yeah you know I won't go into detail I'm sure you can yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah I like like a like a rice cracker, maybe like a sharp cheddar, and then like a a garlic dill. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I have uh, fond memories of my stepdad just eating uh, a piece of cheddar cheese that he would put some barbecue sauce on top of.
1: Whoa, that's <laughs> awesome! It's uh,
0: it's something that's hard.
2: <laughs> um,
0: yeah it. It's funny, there's so many things like that where it's like, I bet it's pretty good, but I just, I don't know if I could do
1: that. Yeah, totally. But That's a lot. Just pure cheese. There's something about just pure cheese that, like, I can't quite do for some reason. Love the stuff, but it needs to be, like, <laughs> just, like, a small addition, you know? Not the main attraction.
0: I remember one of the first days that I was in Toronto, uh, a guy that I met there who's in the jazz program at the U of T. Um, mm-hmm smoking a ton of weed and then grabbing a brick of cheese out of the fridge <laughs> and just biting into it. Wow. And it haunts me to this day. <laughs>
1: um, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with enough weed, I could do that for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah enough weed will make you eat a lot of things. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> is there a social media account that you, uh, that you like to follow that brings you some joy when you scroll past it?
1: Hmm. Um, yeah. Damn, what's it called? What's that account? Oh, Catatonic Youths? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one always gets me pretty, pretty good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> are, are you like a an, an avid social media person? Or do you kind of try to stay away as best you can?
1: Uh, maybe somewhere in between. Or like most things in my life, like... A long-term balance. Well, I'll be where I'll be like on it a lot, and then not at all for a long period of time. I feel like when I have a release, uh, or like when I'm releasing music, I'll sort of be on it a lot by necessity, and then when I don't have to be, I, I like staying away altogether.
0: Yeah, it's this weird thing where you can kind of um, uh, see it transparently at that point as like, oh yeah, it's just kind of part of like a content mill to some extent mm-hmm. like you have to yeah. be present um but i yeah i don't know i know i've struggled with that before just cuz it's like you want people to hear the stuff that you're making but also um it feels bad <laughs> um
1: it does feel bad i can feel it like rotting my brain sometimes i don't know i came up with this rule over the past year where like i don't go on it not that i follow it these days but i wasn't going on it until then the evening Okay. And that yeah. felt like really healthy cuz for a while I was like waking up and just looking at my phone and I could just feel like yeah, I could feel that it was hurting me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm bad for that. Yeah. And it's just like it's not even on purpose. You just pick up your phone and you get sucked into something right away.
1: Yeah, totally. It's like an impulse. And then I can feel I could feel it sort of like changing my patterns of thought and stuff. It's yeah, like yeah. how I'm perceiving the world and how I'm thinking about things and even just the speed at which I'm like taking in information.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it was nice. It was nice to like slow down and not look at a screen first thing in the morning. Just drink my sludge, my coffee sludge.
0: <laughs> are are you a person who has a pretty strong like routine then in terms of what you do at specific times a day?
1: Uh, no, but I'm trying to get into a routine and i really i love having a routine but i've just been like moving and touring and working weird jobs so much over the past few years that it's been impossible to have a consistent routine yeah yeah and in the moments in my life where i have had routines i felt like amazing it's great
0: (laughs) (laughs) if you could open for any band or artist who would you uh want to play a show with
1: Ooh, that's such a fun question. Um, huh. I feel like there are some, like, smaller artists that I'm, like, heavily into that maybe, hopefully someday soon I could open for that I'm excited about. Like, a few New York artists. There's this band called This Is Lorelei that I'm really into. Okay. Um, And then in terms of sort of, like, pipe dream, big artists, um... I've been revisiting Kate LeBond a lot recently. I was oh, like yeah. super, super into Mug Museum and Crab Day and stuff. And uh, just like when I'm into an artist, I just like OD on them hardcore. And I just was like so obsessed with her and ate up those albums and then sort of took a break. <laughs> and now I've been circling back uh, and I just love her so much. That would be it would be awesome to to open for her for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How. How
0: long would you say it's normal for you to be like kind of sunk into one artist or into one like album, if that makes sense? Uh,
1: yeah, that does make sense. I don't know. I think it depends on what I'm doing in my life. Like if sometimes I work at this cafe and if I'm working at the cafe a lot, um, I just like we get to choose the music, which is awesome. So I'll yeah. just like rip through an artist a lot faster than usual because I'll be really stoked on something. Right. Yeah. Um, And if I'm working there like, you know, a few days a week, it'll just be like a few weeks and I'll just be like, okay, that's like, that's good. I'll just like put that away for now. Or if I'm like driving a lot, the same thing happens. Um, But if I'm just sort of like living my life and not listening to music every day, maybe like a month or so and I'll sort of cycle through things, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Do you remember the first song you ever wrote? Ah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's funny because I was just talking to my friend about this recently, so that's a good question. But I don't know if I can call it a song, but my dad taught me the easiest guitar chord when I was like five or six. Yeah, yeah. E minor. (laughs) So you just like put two fingers down and it's like a nice minor chord. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I feel like I... You know, quote like wrote a song <laughs> when I was five or six that was just e minor and me kind of just like humming and rambling about things. Um, but yeah, I do like kind of I definitely couldn't play it now, but I just remember like the act of sort of like writing a song, you
0: know? yeah, yeah do, do you remember the first time you wrote something where you kind of you know looked at it or listened to it after you were done and you thought this is not garbage. (laughs) Like, this is pretty good. Mm,
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, like, probably in early high school, like grade 9 or 10, um, yeah, I remember, like, writing a song or two that, and they were actually, like, complete songs, you know? They, like, had a form and words and I revisited them and I was like, huh, these are, like, pretty good. But I didn't show them to anyone for, like, years to come.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, two questions left. Uh, is there an album that spurred your love of music?
2: Oh,
1: huh. You know, I feel like I grew up listening to a lot of compilations and (laughs) ones that really stick out to me. Do you remember like the YTV Big Fun Party Mix, uh, comps? Honestly, Big Fun Party Mix 3, that one like... (laughs) It was so sick. I think it has like Smash Mouth on there and like some Aaron Carter, maybe Lens, Steal My Sunshine. (laughs) Just like, I don't know, really sick pop music like of the time. Yeah, yeah. That really inspired me. And also the format of like the, the compilation inspired me as well, especially for this album Staying Mellow Blows, like sort of an eclectic mix of genre, but with like a through line of pop sensibility
0: or something yeah yeah There, there's something about like um just compilation records that are are really kind of interesting and fun and i feel like mm-hmm. it's not a thing that gets made as much anymore just mm-hmm. um uh you know especially the ones i think that they would make in the 70s and 80s for specific labels right it would it's mm-hmm. like a promotional tool right and yeah. There's not as much need for that anymore, but it's kind of its own of its own little fun like art form.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. That reminds me of this like arts and crafts sampler CD that I had when I was pretty young. Yeah, um, that had like some brush, broken social scene and like Amy Millan and a few other things that really stuck with me. But yeah, compilations are great.
0: I know for me specifically, it was this was like relatively recently. I I found a. Uh, compilation record from I think it was like Verve or something, not Verve Verve is like a jazz label, I don't know it was like <laughs> 60's record label um, but it was like Frank Zappa and Joni Mitchell and Randy Newman Whoa. and like oh God, just amazing. A, uh, heavy hitters yeah like a wild collection of of stuff like the Mamas and the Papas and
1: <laughs> wow that like, rocks
0: <laughs> yeah and there's something cool about putting that on and being like this is batshit crazy to listen to, but everything is really good. (laughs)
1: Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, kind of its own special experience.
1: Yeah, that sounds amazing.
0: (laughs) Uh, Very last one then. Um, Are there any uh, bands or artists that uh, uh, you see around in Toronto that that you particularly like, that you think are killing it?
1: Mm, Yeah, totally. A lot. Um, I just moved in with my friend Mark Grundy, who plays in Heaven for Real and Quaker Parents. Okay. Mhm, and they're amazing. I love both those bands so much. Um, Heaven for Real just put out a really great record, and I don't know who else. Louis Short, I'm a huge fan of. He he mixed. He he's mixed like everything I've put out so far, including this latest record. Um, yeah. But his his own music is really great. And, uh, Waze Lane as well. My friend Amelia. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel really lucky to just like be genuinely stoked about all my friends' music. Like I'm really just like a fan of them. Which yeah. Is, like, yeah. A cool feeling. Oh, Shirley Hurt. Um, it's S H I R L E Y. And then Hurt. Um, this woman, Sophia, who I'm also friends with in Toronto. She's, uh, rolling out a record right now. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like we can do a fairly natural lead into the second part of things here, but um, you said you grew up in Toronto, um, mm-hmm. then you're in Halifax for a bit. How, how long have you been back in Toronto?
1: Um, a few years now, I guess uh, since 20, since the end of 2018.
0: Gotcha. How, how long were you not in Toronto?
1: Um, I lived in Halifax for about six years. I moved out there for school and then um, started that band Mauno with Nick and then stayed there for a couple years to sort of do Mauno stuff. And then we all moved to Montreal together. And I lived there for about a year. So I guess I was away from Toronto for about seven or so years. Yeah, yeah. Years. Mm-hmm.
0: What, what did you go to school for?
1: I went to school for, originally, so I did like a foundation year program at King's University, which is sort of like general liberal arts, um, and then was in music performance for cello for a year, and then kind of switched back into like liberal arts stuff. I have a degree called European Studies, and it was kind of just like, choose your own adventure, vaguely Western <laughs> content, whatever. So I did a lot of like film studies and German uh, language and philosophy and stuff, and then minored in music.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, when you went into the music performance part of things, before you kind of started, like, um, I, I assume that's like mostly classical repertoire stuff. Were you like mm-hmm. fairly passionate about that kind of repertoire? Like, was was that music that you really really enjoyed, or did you just like love playing and liked music?
1: I think more the latter, and I do have a love for classical music, like I grew up playing a lot of it and kind of like being in that world, Um, but it was never quite, like I never quite fit in or something. I think I wanted to do more experimental stuff or more sort of like songwriting, leaning music, and it was hard to find how cello, or find places where cello fit into that, especially in sort of like established programs. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, so I'm really glad that I did it, but I think I switched out mainly for that reason. Like, it just wasn't what I wanted to be doing musically.
0: Yeah, yeah. How, how long had you been playing cello up to that point?
1: Mm, I started when I was nine, so okay. quite a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, When did you pick up, like, any other instruments then in that, like, yeah?
1: Hmm. Um, actually, before cello, my my dad is a musician, and he he's like a bass guitar player. Um, yeah. But he yeah. also plays guitar and like a bit of piano. So when I grew up, those instruments were just like around. So I just picked them up when I was really young, and he would show me stuff like the E minor chord. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Um. Yeah. So I feel like I've I've been like noodling around on the guitar since I was like four or five, and then bass guitar probably like from a little bit, like from when I was eight or nine or something. And then cello and piano, I kind of like took formal lessons.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did did, did your family like play music around the house? Like, was that a a group activity or was it just something everybody was kind of Mm -hmm. individually passionate about?
1: I guess maybe a bit of both. I mean, my mom is like very creative and loves music, but doesn't play any instruments. And then my dad is sort of like the musical one and he would just kind of be like playing it all the time. Like he'd come home from work and just like pick up the guitar and play something. And I would be like, ooh, what's that? And I'd like make him teach it to me. And that was sort of like how I learned to play, I guess. And then we would kind of play together sometimes, but I feel like more these days we like actually play music together. Yeah. Because yeah. back then it was more like him showing me stuff or us sort of like playing individually.
0: When was the first time that you actually then made, made an effort to uh, play music with people outside of your household?
2: Hmm.
1: Probably like middle school, like when I was 12 or 13. Um, I started like meeting other kids who also played music and we sort of like started... Thinking about things like bands and stuff, or like jamming, and like classic, everyone needed a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> so I started like playing music with a couple of friends of mine who played guitar and drums, and uh, yeah, I guess the rest is history. I've sort of been in bands ever since.
0: <laughs> was it um, was it like a difficult proposition to get a group of people together who wanted to do that in in Toronto at the time, or? Um, were there were there lots of folks around
1: um maybe a bit of both I feel like I was pretty lucky to like be around people at that age who like also had parents who were encouraging of that kind of thing yeah yeah also who had like spaces like basements and stuff with drum kits that we could sort of like mess around in um yeah so I feel like I feel like it could have been hard, but I was lucky to sort of like be in that world a little bit, like from a younger age.
0: Yeah. So jumping forward then, like however many years, getting back to Mm -hmm. Toronto, was it um, fairly easy to kind of integrate yourself back into that scene or...
1: Yeah, I think so. I think in some ways, yeah, like I definitely cross paths with people in the music scene here that I played music with when I was like 14 or 15, which is really awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, there is sort of like a greater Canadian or North American music scene. Like a lot of people when I was living in Halifax would like tour out there from Toronto. And I sort of met them that way. And then I came back to Toronto. Like we all grew up here, but I sort of like knew them from from touring
0: yeah yeah i was kind of curious too if you find that lots of people that grow up in toronto um with like artistic leanings of any kind um -hmm. is it is it common for folks to stay or or is it fairly common for people to take off and go try to do their thing somewhere
1: else um i feel like well Halifax is sort of my only other point of reference, but it does feel like people stay in Toronto more than they stay in Halifax, like I definitely have a lot more friends who I grew up with here who like never left or are also back right, um, yeah, yeah, but then again, like I grew up here and I didn't grow up in Halifax, so I just like know more people who are from here than I do out there, yeah, 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 so
0: um, so. Mauno then stopped uh being a band in twenty nineteen?
1: Twenty eighteen yes. somewhere? Twenty twenty nineteen, I think, was like our last was that big tour we did that summer when we released the the album. Yeah. But yeah. Twenty nineteen. Yeah.
0: After that, like how 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 long did it take for you to decide that you wanted to kind of pursue a bunch uh, a bunch of solo stuff?
1: Or a bunch of well, your own that, music. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess like I had been writing my own music sort of while Mauno was still a band. And yeah. you know, like had was writing songs for Mauno and then also writing songs like on the side that were more cello centric. Um, but I actually released my first EP Vinegar in twenty nineteen, like as Mauno was touring our last record. So there was right. a lot of overlap there. How
0: how, yeah. long, how long did you guys know that that was kind of winding down like
2: hmm.
1: Um it's hard to say. I mean, it was a bit of like a trickle out, but we all sort of like ended up living in different cities and like wanted to do our own things musically and sort of like life-wise. Um yeah, but I think we didn't sort of fully conceptualize that it was ending until like going into that last tour of the summer of 2019. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So, this current record, which uh, I always get into the habit of just like saying the name as many times as possible, it's called Staying Mellow Blows. Um,
1: <laughs> Hell yeah, it's good. It's good marketing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, how, over what period of time, I guess, were you kind of writing and compiling songs for this record? Mm,
2: um,
1: it was pretty much like entirely a pandemic record so I sort of like wrote it as soon as things started locking down and then like recorded it throughout um yeah so it's a real sort of like representation of that window of time which is kind of interesting
0: yeah yeah it's um also I I feel like too I've just been on a run of talking to a lot of folks who uh uh have done a lot of studio recording over the past couple years and my Mm. just uh deepest love is home recording and and home recorded stuff um how how do you approach i guess if you know you're going to be obviously writing the songs and also recording them how do those two kind of processes uh fit together for you
1: mm. Yeah, I guess, well, for this record in particular, like it was so specific to the circumstances. Um, And I kind of, I didn't really go into it with a clear plan. Like I sort of just recorded demos and then had an idea of who I wanted to get to also play on the record. And I was sort of loosely planning to record it with Louis because I've recorded all my stuff with him uh, so far. Yeah, And then as the pandemic continued unexpectedly, I sort of realized that, I just needed to do it all like myself in my own space. So I invested in like a nice microphone for the first time in my life and like an interface. Um, and yeah, it was sort of like a really fruitful first foray into like recording things myself as well. So yeah, I yeah. just, uh, like recording all the vocals and cello and a lot of the guitar and bass myself, and then sending those stems around to friends all over the place and it was like a a cool mishmash of like home recording like we were all just home recording and sending things back and forth and then uh Louie and I were kind of just like mixing it all together
0: yeah how how do you approach working with uh collaborators in that way when um like i'd assume a big part of it is just that you ask people where you know that whatever they send you is going to work and it's going to be good mm-hmm. um mm-hmm is there any point where you have to kind of broach like well this isn't exactly i think either what i wanted or isn't something that quite works for this song like um mm-hmm. uh yeah d- did you i guess have to figure out how to communicate those things over that distance or uh or otherwise just do a lot of kind of chopping and screwing of performances
1: mm, i think like a mixture of both but honestly The process was like strangely seamless in that way. Like really, I barely did anything to anyone's parts and like gave a bit of direction, but not a ton. Um, I feel like I put a lot of like careful thought into who I was asking to do what specifically.
0: Right, yeah. And it
1: was a lot of people who's like playing I was really familiar with and who's sort of like emotional musicality I was really familiar with as well, um, so once I like decided who I wanted to ask to do what on which songs, I didn't have to give much direction after that, and I was like very pleasantly surprised—or not surprised because I knew it was going to be great—but everyone just went like above and beyond what yeah, I like, yeah. pictured. Yeah, yeah. And there was a bit of chopping, obviously, but it was really like, yeah, it was a really emotional process, like getting everyone's parts back. Because um, they were all just like so uh, perfect and beautiful,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean I, I think there's something especially poignant about that in k- kind of pandemic era life too mm-hmm. of um, you know, it feels like intimate in some way, like you get to collaborate with these people or play with them, even though you can't really like see anybody. <laughs>
1: Yeah, totally. And it kind of like it was sort of a bunch of musical conversations. And like, as you said, like the songs are really intimate and personal. And it was nice sort of like sharing those with my close friends and having them respond to them musically and send stuff back. Yeah. A couple of times, like this really blew me away, but a couple of times, like because of timing, I would have to send two people the song at the same time and they would each be writing parts like guitar and keyboard. Right. And then I would be like, ooh, I kinda had to do that because I'm like on a timeline. And then they would send them back and they would like work perfectly together in a sort yeah. of like eerily perfect way. Like it's <laughs> like you don't you two don't even know each other. Like were you sort of like <laughs> Yeah. So that was like really, really special as well.
0: When you actually sit down to like start writing the song, um at, at what point does that process become collaborative for you like are you somebody who who shows people kind of half finished things and gets feedback mm. or uh d- or do you tend to not do that <laughs> um.
1: i think i tend to not do that i can be pretty precious about like that point of the process right um, which i'm actually trying to like get away from i think it would be cool to like let people in earlier on in the process Um, But I can be a bit of a perfectionist, especially with songwriting, and I hold things pretty close until I feel like they're like worthy of other people's ears, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love collaborating just in general, and it's like uh, I love sort of like bringing people into the process of like producing and arranging and recording. Um, But yeah, I think next time I want to like let people in on the songwriting process and like see what that feels like.
0: Is, is that love of collaboration something that came easy for you or, or was it something you kind of had to work your way into?
1: Um, mm, I think it definitely comes easy, like, especially growing up, learning music from my dad and like playing in bands when I was in middle school and stuff like, and also just, I really love people. Like I love hanging out with people. I love talking to people. I love doing creative things with people so that, that comes really easily, um, Yeah, and it's been an interesting balance because, as I said, like, I can be kind of a perfectionist about some parts of the process, but I also deeply love collaborating. Um, So, yeah, I feel like this record was like a a fruitful experiment in like letting go in some areas and also like learning what to be precious about.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's kind of switch gears into the last part of things here. Is is there one particular song on the record that you want to highlight that we can play at the end of the episode?
2: Hmm,
1: That's a good question. I feel like the record is so eclectic. Like every week or so, my favorite song sort of like changes. (laughs) Or what song I feel like is most representative. Um, But lately, I've been really into the song "Trust Me." Even though it's like such an outlier, I feel like there's something really like really special about it and it kind of like features a lot of uh really special players and sort of different different vibes throughout
0: do you um do you keep a notebook of or like a, a notes folder or whatever on your computer of like phrases that you like hmm. or things that you endeavor to use in your lyrics
1: yeah i'm definitely a big uh journaler and I'm always sort of writing things down. And also like in the notes app on my phone and voice memos and stuff. Uh, for sure, yeah, I do that.
0: <laughs> um, do you remember when, when Trust Me kind of came about then? Like when you first started working on that?
1: Huh, that's a good question. I I don't know that I remember exactly like where the nugget of that song came from. But it definitely sort of meditates on a lot of things I think about cyclically like pretty pretty often just in terms of like how trust is such a wild concept (laughs) yeah how it's like very you can see it subjectively or objectively yeah do
0: you um tend to think pretty kind of analytically about what you're saying in a song like i i guess um I'll I'll put it this way. I I realized at a certain point that it was helpful for me to be able to say like, you know, um, this song that I've written is um, broadly uses this imagery and then kind of narrows it down. And it's kind of about, you know, like, this is how it relates to me and then like narrow it down even further. It is about, you know, like trust or it is about love or it is about like boiling things down to these kind of very very simple like one or two word ideas if that makes sense um Mm. and I got into this real habit of trying to think about the stuff that I had made that way just because it was an easy way to kind of make sure that everything got through to kind of the central point that I was trying to go for if that makes
1: sense yeah Um, totally
0: do, do you kind of like deconstruct your own writing in that way if that makes sense
1: do you mean like in the process of writing it to sort of like get to the
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I uh I'm not sure I, I'm not so sure that I do that consciously, but it sounds like a good practice. <laughs> um I feel like I do that sort of after the fact. Like in retrospect, I'll write something. Uh yeah, I'll just like write something that feels true to what I'm feeling at the time, and then I'll record it and look back and be like, oh, that was actually about this or like.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, mm. you su- do you do surprise yourself with with the kind of uh, what mm-hmm. you figure out after?
1: Yeah, a lot of the time I do surprise myself, especially just with certain like, yeah, I'll sort of vaguely know what I'm writing about like circumstantially or emotionally. And then looking back, there will be all these sort of things that point to that that I wasn't even conscious of at the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. I wanted to touch on this a little bit too just um a lot of these songs are quite short mm-hmm. um what do you think is is the virtue of like um something that that is short that doesn't kind of meander around too much like what is uh what is appealing about that to you
1: mm, i think uh I think like while I was making the album, I was kind of equating the length to like surety or something or just sort of like not beating around the bush like right having an idea and knowing exactly what it was and what I had to say about it and not sometimes when I'm writing a song I'll get to a point and then I'll feel self-conscious because I feel like it's too short I'll be like oh I should say more about this or like this is only 40 seconds long like that's not legal (laughs) it has to be longer (laughs) (laughs) and I think for this record I was just like letting myself not give in to those thoughts or feelings. Like just being like, if I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. But it was yeah. a hard balance. Like I was trying to be very self-aware about not being like lazy because sometimes I can be lazy. I'll like write a verse and a chorus, or even just a bit of a verse, and be like, "That's all I have to say about that." And it's like, <laughs> is it, or do you just not want to like grind and write another verse? <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a funny like game.
0: Do you feel like it, it's it's worth? trying to grind even if it doesn't work out or do you feel like there is something kind of freeing about being able to just say yeah it's done i might not use it for anything but you know uh this this particular effort is done
1: yeah i think uh it depends on the song and like the situation i think both ways of looking at it can be fruitful um and i think i think you just kind of know like, I can feel it deep down when I, when grinding would be good, I think. or, And then on the other side of things, I think I can feel it when it's, like, good to just cut it off. Like, there's not much more to say about something. Or sometimes, like, negation can be a better representation of something than trying to, like, pause it, a particular feeling. Yeah, yeah. You kind of just, like, paint a picture, and then the fact that it's short says more about it than delving into it even more
0: yeah yeah well uh we're gonna listen to a song called trust me off of staying mellow blows um it's been so much fun listening to it the past couple weeks it's great it it makes me feel nice things (laughs)
2: Um, Aw, thank
1: you i'm glad
0: (laughs) um yeah thanks so much for sitting down for the interview too it was a real pleasure chatting
1: yeah thanks for having me (laughs)
2: Trust different people for different things You can bring someone anywhere, know that they'll sing the right note Some will hold your life in their hands and keep it safe But never call you just to let you know that they relate. Some you can trust to laugh at all your jokes And others not to break your heart You can trust me not to die You can trust me not not to die When I got nothing on
0: my mind This episode of Inside the Artist Studio was produced by Sean Davis Newton and edited by Paolo Moreira for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track, Trust Me, was played with permission from Eliza Niemi. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song, Nothing On My Mind, from the Grimpy EP as our intro and outro music. Inside the artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening.